Amen, church. Merry Christmas, everyone. Good morning to all of you who are here at New Hope Church. Can we give it up for our students that are leading us here today? Thank you, guys. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, my name is Matthew, and I'm one of the pastors here. And let me just also acknowledge, you guys look great in your Christmas sweaters. Yeah, good job. We can't, as you can tell, though, I can't use the phrase ugly Christmas sweater this year because, alas, I have my dog Dolly right here, and I have Miss Krista right here, and she's not amused by my sweater, I'll just tell you right now, but a number of you have been, or at least, at least you're pretending to be, and I'm grateful for that. So, all right, um, again, my name is Matthew, I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome you into this space. If you're a guest with us, we're delighted, absolutely delighted that you're here, and for those of you who are joining us as part of our online community, and we know, listen, you guys may not realize this, we have friends that tune in literally from all around the world and uh, join uh, in worshiping here and spending time in the Word. We hear from them all the time. And for you who are out there wherever you are today, Merry Christmas and welcome to New Hope Church right here in the Minneapolis area. It is great to be with all of you. So I'm going to pray right now and I want you to join me as we uh, turn our attention to this love letter Call the Bible. Let's do that right now. Father, thank you so much for the joy of being here in this place, of worshiping you, of being led by these men and women who are part of our student ministry as they help us cry out to you in songs of praise, hymns of joy. You are worthy, O triune God, Father. And the only begotten Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit who brings us together and honors Christ through us. Lord, as we gather here right now and turn our attention to your word, as we begin this Christmas season, we ask that you would meet us in a very special way. I absolutely believe that you have something to say to every one of us. And so right now, O oh God, through the power of your Spirit, give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and may we long more fully for the only one who can satisfy us, and that is Emmanuel, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Him we celebrate, him we love, and for him we gather. And all of God's people said together, amen. Amen. So it is Christmas season. Christmas is upon us. And being that that is the case, uh, we have many feelings about this. It's like, wow, is it really already December of 2023? Is that even possible? I don't know about you, but it seems like just a year ago, or, I mean just yesterday, it was a year ago, it seems like just yesterday, Chris and I uh, Krista and I were watching Elf the other night because when we decorate our tree, we've done this forever. I mean, for years, we, we put on Elf and we watch it. I've shared this before. And, um, and literally, we, we get it on and Krista and I are sitting there and it's like, didn't we just watch this? Like literally, just yesterday. It was a year ago. It's hard to believe. Here we are, Christmas season, 2023. And many of us step into this season, many of us step into this moment and uh, we're filled with all kinds of enthusiasm and excitement about it. We're ready. And it is as if the sentiments of the old carols 
are, are our sentiments. Uh, glad tidings, jubilee, joy to the world. And rightly so, because God has been so good to so many, and we feel that deeply, and we're so thankful to the Lord. On the other hand, there are some of us that are entering into this kind of season, and the feels that we have are quite different. Not so much, not so much glad tidings and jubilee and joy, but something else that those carols might speak of. Something like sin and error pining away for relief in a weary, weary world. Many of us here have joy, but a whole lot of us here are understandably weary. And it doesn't take much to look around and recognize reason for weariness. The headlines scream such at us. It's a hard world we're in right now. And even conversations around the dinner table, no doubt, can't help but, but speak to such things. On a global scale, perhaps on a very personal, even intimate scale. But whether we are filled with rejoicing or feeling the weight of a weary world, something all of us have, something all of us experience, much like the rich aromas that waft through our homes at Christmas, is that very strong hint of longing. We're all longing for something. We're all longing for answers for relief. Let's talk about longing for a few minutes. I want you to see this definition of longing. You'll, you'll see it here on your screens. If you're watching with us, you'll see it in front of you right here. The Oxford Dictionary calls longing a yearning desire. It stems from an old English word, langian, suggesting dwelling in thought or growing long. I'm longing for this thing or that. We all are longing for something, someone, some place. We get to this time of year, and one of the things I long for, the old nostalgic feels, is home back in the Smoky Mountains of East Tennessee where I grew up. And the rich aroma of juniper and allspice in our house. And the smell of some pie and the Christmas music in the background, and the mountains surrounding our home. We all long for something, some thing, someone, someplace. What are the things for which you are longing this very day? Ask yourself that. Be very open with yourself about what it is that is your yearning desire. Now, there are many things that incite longing, many things that stir it up. I referenced home a moment ago, but let's move past the transactional things, the transient things, even the temporal things. 
For example, we might long that the Vikings would go to the playoffs. I mean, this is a yearning desire, a long desire, right? Okay? Win a Super Bowl, longer still. We might long to see Taylor Swift tonight at the Packers-Chiefs game, or maybe not. We might long for some new toy or perhaps some exciting set of tickets to one of the Christmas celebrations that are here in the Twin Cities these next days. But for a moment with me, can we set aside these kinds of longings? Let's just put them off to the side and let's think about things that are far more personal, more intimate. Let's think about those things that dig deeply into our souls, those kind of longings. Maybe they're spiritual longings. They're longings so deep you might not even be able to express them Or maybe because they're so deep, you're afraid to express them. There's a vulnerability in doing so. We long, we long for relief from sin and shame. We long for forgiveness, for deliverance. We long for deliverance from those patterns of brokenness that trip us up, leave us despairing, and potentially even create hurt for others, piling up regret within the caverns of our souls. Many long for prodigals to come back to the fold Some long for wars to cease, for peace to ensue, for innocent ones to be able to breathe freely again. Some long for ambitions to be realized, for justice to be rectified. Some of us long for good health to be amplified. Some of us long for bitterness to disappear. Again, we long for all kinds of things. And I've shared a few, but I have no doubt that those of you listening to me right now could add a, a long list of other things for which you long. And a question for you and for me would be, how do we have these longings satisfied? How do we get our yearning desires met? And I would submit to you, dear friends, that there are two options available. Two options to having our deepest longings dealt with. One would be Something about you and me. Something about us and our age-old mechanisms for making life work. Another option would be something about the Lord of glory, the King of heaven and earth, and his power 
and his purposes. Indeed, his very presence. For a few moments, let's look first at the option that we might reach for that is about us. To do so, I'm reminded of a story from the days of old, from history. The story is told of a certain king named Ahaz. Ahaz ruled a small nation state called Judah. At one point in time, Judah had been part of a bigger empire, many tribes, much territory, much power, much reputation. But as the years went by, division ensued. Warfare decimated the unity. And now, as Ahaz is ruling, Judah is a tiny place centered around the ancient city of Jerusalem. It is a place that is constrained, a place that is vulnerable, a place that seems alone. Ahaz has a problem. There are two nations that have allied together and they wish to invade Judah. They want to take advantage of Judah's vulnerability and claim it for themselves. The people of Judah are terrified of this possibility. Ahaz is overwhelmed by the possibility, and he's uncertain about what to do. It is in this turmoil that God sends a prophet named Isaiah to approach Ahaz with a word from God. And we see this word from God in Isaiah chapter 7. And you'll see pieces of it here in front of you. Let's listen as I read from the word of God. Isaiah says to Ahaz, be careful, be quiet, do not fear, and do not let your heart be faint. By the way, any of you need to hear that today from God? Be careful, be quiet, do not fear, do not let your heart be faint. Because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands, referencing the two nations allied together, at the fierce anger of Resin and Syria and the son of Ramalia. Uh, the two nations are, are Syria, led by a king named Resin, and actually the nation called Israel, led by a king whose name is so, so identified with corruption, Isaiah won't even say it, he just refers to him as the son of Ramalia. Because Syria with Ephraim, which is another name of of Israel and the son of Ramali has this, have devised evil against you, saying, Let us go up to Judah and terrify it. Let us conquer it for ourselves. Let us set up the son of Tabiel. It's a random guy that I guess has some power. Let's set him up as king in the midst of it. He would be a puppet king to these allied nations. 
Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, it shall not come to pass. In the midst of all of the fear, Isaiah goes to Ahaz with a word from God. Here is Ahaz, and he's longing for relief, and God meets him. And God says to him, in short, I got it. Trust me. Don't be afraid. Trust me. But would he? Would he do so? Well, the realities are, Ahaz, Ahaz was unconvinced. And so it is, Isaiah offers further word. Listen to this from Isaiah chapter 11. I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 11. Isaiah says to Ahaz these words. Ask a sign. Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol and as high as the heavens. So here, God tells Isaiah, look, Ahaz is, he's, he's waffling. He doesn't know what to do. So to encourage his faith, tell him to ask me for a sign. Tell him to ask me for proof that I can come through, that I have power, that I can relieve the things that burden him, that I can satisfy his longing. And so Isaiah gives this word to Ahaz, but notice Ahaz's response, verse 12, Ahaz says, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Sounds really spiritual, doesn't it? Uses some religious language there. Oh, I, I wouldn't dare ask the Lord. I want to be clear, this is arrogance, not spiritual maturity. Ahaz is not testing God or wouldn't be testing God if he, if he asked for a sign. God asked him to ask him for a sign. God wanted to solicit Ahaz's faith. He wanted to deepen his confidence in God. It was an invitation from God Two, call on him to show Ahaz that God's got power. Ahaz, oh, I wouldn't dare do that. I wouldn't dare test the Lord. This is Ahaz's sanctimonious way of saying, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm out of control. Does that resonate with you, any of you? And so to this comes one of the most important prophecies that we see in the entire Bible. It's on the screen here. Look with me. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. So Isaiah said, Well, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Friends, this is one of the most important Christmas prophecies that we have in the Bible. What we have here is 
God Almighty, through the voice of Isaiah, saying to Ahaz, Look, you cannot ask for a sign if you do not wish, but I'm going to give you one anyway. You're a king who's determined to do things your own way. And indeed, Ahaz does do things his own way. Ultimately, he turns to an Assyrian ruler named Tiglath-Pelizar for help. Turns to man instead of God. And God says, you're determined to do things your way, but it will not pay off because when all is said and done, I will still rule and reign. And you need to understand Ahaz and everybody else who has longing Everybody else who's wanting to satisfy your longings your own way, I will send one who alone has the power to meet every longing that every human being ever has. He will arrive. He will come. Watch for him. Look for him. Pay attention to him. Now, as I think of this, As I think of what it is that Isaiah has put forward, this one who's going to arrive, who's going to come, who will satisfy all the longings that anyone would ever have, the deepest, truest longings. As I think about this, I wrestle with, well, what are my longings, and am I willing to trust God for them, or am I going to be like Ahaz and do my own thing? As I wrestle with those questions, I I wonder about you. What is your posture? Trusting God or doing your own thing? And as I think about this, for this current moment, a couple of very important thoughts come to my mind. And I want us to wrestle with them here briefly. Consideration number one. We could be like Ahaz. We could be like Ahaz, who, faced with great challenges... Trusted man rather than God. Even if he did use religious sounding excuses. We could be like that. And um, here is an opportunity for us to be in control. To hide so as to not reveal too much of our vulnerability. Here is an opportunity for us to see things our way. To have our hands on matters, to reach for satisfaction of our longings, but in a way that keeps us in the driver's seat, keeps us in control. The reins are on the sleigh, our sleigh, our reins. We're the driver. But watch out. Watch out. You see, there is this passage in history 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20. You don't need to turn there, but you might hear it. Ahaz turned to Tiglath-Pilesar, king of Assyria. So Tiglath-Pilesar, king of Assyria, actually came against him and afflicted him instead of strengthening him. Scholar John Oswalt has this wisdom. He says here, what a man trusts in place of God will one day turn to devour him. You and I have all kinds of things for which we long, some trivial, 
but many things that are really deep, personal, of our soul. But if we turn to the mechanisms of humanity to see those things satisfied, watch out, it will bite us back, church. And I want you to hear from me. I know there are some listening to me right now, either right here in this space or perhaps from far away, and you've already been bitten hard by what you invested in because you did not ultimately just simply go to the Lord. And I want you to hear all is not lost. All is not lost. Which leads to our second option, the second consideration I have. We see it here. We could be like the prophet, Isaiah, living in hard times, but knowing the Lord through his own sovereign devices and at the right time will come through. He does that. The Lord comes through through his own sovereign plans and always, always, always at the right time. Always at the right time. He's faithful. He's good that way. Unless we wonder, but pastor, is it really so? Isaiah stood there next to Ahaz and says, well, if you're not going to ask for a sign. It doesn't matter. God's going to give you one anyway. Here it is. Did God ever come through? Well, sure he did. And so here we go. Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah seven centuries earlier. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, say it with me, God with us. God with us. And when Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. 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 Friends, in the midst of our deepest longings, we can choose to rely on man, we can choose to rely on God. Ultimately, our reliance on our own mechanisms bites us back. 
when we rely on God, hear me, he always comes through. He always, ultimately, satisfies according to his purposes, for his glory, for our good. Now this this second consideration here is the other option. We can rely on ourselves or we can rely on the Lord. We can rely on ourselves or we can rely on the Lord. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He alone ultimately satisfies. And so if you are one of those desperate for that prodigal to return and you're not seeing movement, rest assured, God who has shown up, God who is with us will sustain you in your pain. If you were one watching the nation's rage and you wonder, does God care? Can God help? Doubt no more that God who is with us comes alongside and he tells us, listen, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. If we are among those who see injustice and we're hungry for it to be rectified, think no further, the God who is with us by being with us gives us resilience and wipes away our tears. If we are among those desperate for good health to be maximized, but we don't actually see that it will happen, let us remember the God with us, Jesus Emmanuel, whose resurrection from the dead makes it so that this old body, though it decays, it will not meet its end here, but it will be transformed into a glorious resurrected body. If we wonder, could God meet the greatest longing of my soul to have freedom and forgiveness and hope? Because my sin is so great, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, then let us hear this Jesus, Emmanuel, God who is with us, say, if you confess your sin, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He satisfies the longing soul. It may not be as we wish, because the things that we wish for at the end of the day might so often look temporal and tangible, something we can touch and feel, but he goes beyond that. He doesn't just give us the things we present as our yearning desire. What he does, listen to me, church. He gives us himself. He gives us himself. He gives us himself. And I so appreciate what the apostle 
uh, or rather, I, I so appreciate the, the, the promise here. I want you to see it here with me, right? The Apostle Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. By whom? God himself. All of our longings are met in him. Met in him. So then what do we do in the meantime? We remember. And we wait in remembrance. See, on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, now here he is, born of a virgin. He lived a sinless, godly life. And then he comes to this one night in which he's betrayed. And there he is with his disciples enjoying this Passover feast. A celebration of the Jewish festival Passover. In the middle of the meal, Jesus takes some of the bread that is served and he breaks it. And he passes it to his disciples. And he says to them, eat of this as often as you will in remembrance of me. And the disciples, no doubt, are wondering, what are you talking about? Understand with me, friends. They're longing for power. They're longing for political capital. They're longing for triumph and victory. And Jesus tells them, when you eat broken bread, it will remind you of, of me. They didn't get this. What Jesus knew that they didn't understand was in a matter of hours, his body would be broken on that Roman cross. And I've said for years, it is a remarkable thing to me that the Lord Jesus, sinless, holy, righteous, allowed himself to become broken so us sinful, unrighteous people could be made whole. We long for triumph. He meets us in brokenness. God with us. Later in that same meal, Jesus took a goblet of wine. And he thanked his Father in heaven for it. And then he passed it to his disciples and he said to them, This is the new covenant in my blood. Drink of it as often as you will in remembrance of me. Again, the disciples had to be, what, what are you talking about? New covenant in your blood. Doesn't that wine speak to the triumph of the Most High God when he escorted the Hebrew people out of their slavery in Egypt, when he told them to take the blood of lambs and paste it over the doorposts and thresholds of their homes? Why are you talking about your blood? That suggests death. I'm longing for something more powerful. They had no idea. No idea. In a matter of hours, his body there on that cross would spill its blood all over that hill. 
There is no more precious commodity in all of time and space than the shed blood of Jesus. It cleanses us from our sins, makes us to be whole and pure and righteous in the eyes of God. And the very fact that he is going to come in glory tells us that that shed blood is not the end of the story. What satisfies the deepest longing of our being? Well, this one who came as a little baby and died as a broken man like a criminal on a cross, because of his resurrection, he will come in triumphant glory. And any longing that you have, no matter how trivial or how triumphant, it will be fully satisfied and more by the returning victorious Jesus Christ. What are you longing for today? There's no better one than he. As you uh, anticipate the coming of Emmanuel yet again, in a spirit of confession and gratitude, take the Take the elements and let us worship still more.